Welcome back to the Body Podcast, where we talk strength, conditioning, lifestyle, and everything in between. Today's episode, we have body member Steven Esparza with us, the man behind a lot of our videos, but this guy does so much more than that. We're going to talk about how he got into film, his two documentaries he directed and produced, and what he has planned next. All right, we're here with the man behind the camera, all the videos that Body's ever done, the, the shoots. Steven, how are you? Hello. I'm good. I'm stoked to be here. This is the first time I've seen Nikki's house. Oh, really? Yeah. This is interesting. amazing. Well, you're welcome. I want to say this first. For everyone listening, if you ever come on the podcast, Steven's the first person to ever bring a gift to me. <laughs> so I appreciate that. He brought me a nice Yeti. So That's right, So can fit a lot of wine in this. I lied. Wine Girl brought a ton of wine for us to drink while we did the show. So I, I think that's a gift. But you were the first. Which person. was Wine Girl? Which episode was it? Wine Girl's by our friend Trevor and Amy. Oh, they own the okay. bar. Yeah. Right. So they just opened up one actually in Napa. Just went, uh, ran opening on Saturday or something. Oh um, but yeah. So first one to bring me a, a <laughs> gift. So for everyone else who wants to come on in the future, you yeah, now have to bring me a gift. This is worth like what twelve grand. So the next person, yeah, one up me, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but first, before we get into, it, I know you, you uh, uh, movie producer, all this great stuff. But let's circle back. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, we'll we'll get into that and we'll talk a lot about it. But you started out at Body years ago. <laughs> Tell a story and how you got heard about Body, how you <laughs> came about it. Okay, so we went to Channel Fifteen to promote. The first film, Girl on a Wave. So we were on a on a tour to just promote the film. So it was me, Sarah Hauser, who was the athlete that was in that film. And we go into the green room, and there's Nikki with, uh, I can't remember who it was that she was with. And um, they were promoting Body at the time. And I think this was, this was 2017, I think it was. And um, they were like, what do you do? And then we were like, what do you do? And then when we figured it out... Nikki was like, oh my God, you guys need to come to Body. So we did. So Sarah and I went to Body and um, <laughs> they made a joke. Nikki will, she'll deny this, but they made a joke because <laughs> she finally told me, she goes, we made a joke that we bet that you would only last a month. <laughs> and because I was 265 at the time, 265. Yeah. And um, I've been there ever since. Yeah. So that's how I got hooked up with. Well, that, that's that's a great story. You guys met basically yeah. both promoting different things at the, on the set of the news. But we're talking about. She said you were going to quit. You've been there since, ever since six <laughs> years now. But you've lost a lot of weight recently. Yeah, and I I know we weren't going to go into this, but it wasn't planned. But I guess you, you cut out sugar. Kind of explain like where you were at before, where you're at now. You look great, thinner. Thank you. So, Turkey gobble now. Yeah, gotta, you know, you get old, you get this gobbly thing. Anyway, so yeah, I went to the doctor, and the doctor was like, "Dude, you gotta lose weight. You like this? Your cholesterol is stupid." So I was like, "What does that mean?" She said, "Well, you can either take these pills, or you can lose twenty-five to thirty pounds in two months. Can you do that?" And I was like, "Yeah, I can do that." So I cut sugar out. And, dude, after every body session, I'd go home, I'd have, like, half of a lunch, but I would eat AJ's cookies. And I'm not a soda pop drinker, so I cut out, I cut out the AJ's cookies, I cut out apple pie at night, I cut yeah. out ice cream, all that sugar, 
Um, and the weight just started coming off. So that's basically how I did it. Salads and, you know. Yeah. How, much, how much are you down right now? Well, I'm, I was 265. Now I'm 235. And by, like, in two weeks, I should be down to like five more pounds, I think, yeah. in two weeks. That's hopefully. awesome. Yeah. I, my biggest thing when I got up and I told this story, you know, when Nikki, we interviewed the first, the first ever episode, I was at, like, 205, which is heavy for me. Right. Um, and I, the first I remember thing, that. I remember the, fir- the first thing I cut out was sh- I, used to get a, I used to get three coffees a day, and I cut out the sugar in the coffee and replaced it with almond milk. And just even that alone, and then I stopped doing, like, snacks and soda. I tried doing, like, just replace it with water or, like, you know, something sugar-free. But once I cut out the, the sugar in the coffee, I, I calculated it. The milk and the sugar added, like, 300 calories oh, to I it. You cut that out. Three times a day, so it's it's called seven hundred calories times five days a week during the work. Like that's a lot of your calories are cutting just alone. It just shed it real quick. Yeah. So this is how much sugar I was consuming to the point to where I don't drink soda pop. I don't drink. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a big drinker. Like I'll drink three. You've seen me at the body party. Yeah. Three beers Hammer. and I'm just stripping Shrip, at the uh, table. Just ridiculous. I mean, he, just, he last Halloween party. <laughs> he was like, Nikki, I'm getting jealous of your pole dancing. And he went up on stage and started pole dancing in front of everyone. <laughs> that, that's a that's a lie. That's not what happened. <laughs> but all right, let's. All right, so I want to get into it. Yeah. Let's, but right before, just give us a little background. Where are you from originally? And you know, where'd you go to school and stuff? How'd you get into uh, okay, film? Okay, so I, I'm originally, uh, I'm a military brat. So I was born in Japan, raised in Scotland, England, uh, moved to the States. My, uh, we were in Guam. We moved to the East Coast. My dad was a career uh, military guy. Uh, retired in Georgia. We moved to Arizona. I went to Yuma High School for four years. And then after that, my parents moved and I went to college. Um, I actually, uh, yeah, so that's basically what, and I studied film and television. So. Okay. In your first film, Girl on Wave. Right. When did that first, when did that get released? How long did it take you to film? I guess kind of how did you come about even producing that? Right. So, you know, back in the day, I was working for KUPD radio. Um, I was doing sales, corporate sales, and I was there 15 years. And my boss is like, dude, what are you, what are you doing? Like, wh- why are you not following your true passion? And I was like, well, I hit my budget here. And he goes, yeah, but when you hit your budget, you quit. You, you stop working. Because he'd come by my cube and I'd be editing video. Yeah. And um, I finally just made that decision. I was like, Dan, I, I think I'm going to quit. And he was like, well, hold on a second. Long story short, I did quit. And literally, I drove out of the parking lot looking in the rear view mirror going, what am I doing? Because I was making six plus figures, very comfortable, 15 years of being yep. at the radio station. And I made that leap. Um, so the moral of that story is if you have a dream, man, figure out a way to, to make that dream or make that step. Because I did it at an old age. Yep. And when I did that, you know, I bought a red camera literally two years after that. And, uh, you know, a red camera is your basic Hollywood movie camera that you're going to shoot a cinema film with. And um, I made my first film three years after that. And that's how Girl on Wave, it hit it. And Nikki's in the film, so. Yeah. How did you find, it's Sarah, right? Sarah. Sarah, how did you find her? Like, how, how did you go about 
making the film? What was the idea behind it? Were you just in Hawaii one day? Like, man, this looks no, I was film here. (laughs) I was in Australia doing a documentary with another crew. So we were in, uh, we were in Australia for, I think it was 15 days or 18 days. And, um, I was just watching these guys because these guys were kind of my story in the sense that they were selling um, insurance and they gave that up to follow their dreams and do a documentary. And I followed them for 18 days in Australia and I was like, man, I can, I, I can do this. So I got home and then a company, this guy hired me to go to Hawaii, to go to Maui. And he said, hey man, I'll, I'll bring you into Hawaii you get to use all the footage that you're going to shoot of this windsurfer that we're going to, she's a mathematician and they were trying to get this, um, startup, uh, going. And, um, it was Branson. What's his name? The guy that owns Virgin. Oh, not, uh, Russell Branson. What's that guy's Um, name? Anyways, that guy has a thing in Maui. It's either every year, every other year where all these billionaires come in and then all these tech companies will go to pitch their ideas. And I was with one of the companies that was helping to pitch that idea because we were documenting that as we went. What's his name? Richard Branson. Richard Branson. So he had this thing in Maui and there was all these tech people with drones and different companies that, and I was like, wow, what am I doing here? This is crazy. And um, I'll never forget, we, 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 I get picked up at the airport by him uh, my client and Sarah's in the car and she's this French girl. She's probably five, five and dude, she's just a beast. Like when she got on the water and the great thing about Sarah was that she's super nice. She's like every trainer at body, very personable, very nice. Just, you know, super just, she, I would watch her with people and people would gravitate towards her because she's, first of all, she's a cute girl but she has that personality like Nikki that you just gravitate towards. Yeah. And I said, man, if I could put that on film, people would watch that regardless as to whether was she, she was making Dunkin' Donuts or riding 50 foot waves. And that's what we did. I called her up a month later and I said, Hey, I, I think I want to make this movie about you. And she was like, let's do it. So you basically were like, let's make a movie about how you're this mathematician. You yep. got this, doctorate degree, yep. but you also just love to surf. Yeah. So she was, she had gotten her degree from the university of, I think France. And then she was in an internship and she said, that's not what I want to do. I want to pursue my dream of being a windsurfer. And everyone was like, what are you crazy? Yeah. What are you nuts? You just graduated. You, you're a mathematician. Do the math on that. Doesn't what, make sense. Exactly. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> So she moves to Maui. She doesn't know anybody. Moves to Maui. Within three years, meets her husband, who's a windsurfer, and becomes the American Windsurfing Tour champion. Doesn't have a sponsor. We filmed all that literally a month after the film came out. She got a sponsor. And it was, you know, that was part of the deal in the documentary where it was like, listen, Sarah, I will bust my ass for you and I can tell you that I will work my ass off to get you a sponsor and it just it happened and it's it was amazing that's awesome I, I think there's something to say about some people that they're kind of just successful you know wherever they do no matter whatever yeah. they do they're going to be you know she could be a you know a math teacher and I right. think she'd be a, probably everyone's favorite math teacher there's something to be said about just 
if someone that got a doctorate in mathematics is probably, right. like, you're doing a lot of just studying numbers. It's not, so they're mind over matter almost in that aspect. For sure. I mean, it was just, God, man, it was just, it was a yeah. lesson literally in life, filmmaking, everything. It was because I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing yeah. at the time. I was, let's just do it. Yeah. So we do did it. It was a leap of faith. And that's the, sometimes that's the best way to learn. I just get in there and learn, you know, just, just, just do it. And you'll, you'll kind of learn as you go and you'll make mistakes. It'll be challenging, but you know, at the end you're probably learned a lot, grew a lot as a, as a, you know. yeah. So when you make a film, you, <laughs> you have to get distribution. It's just like a record you see all these people yeah. that are, Hey, I'm making a record. Well, did you get a label signed? Because if you make a record, obviously, it's a different world when it comes to music with Spotify and all these other platforms. But when it comes to films, you have to get a distributor. You can't just you can't just make a film unless you're Tom could, Cruise. Could you, could you make a film and just put it on YouTube? Is that kind of the only and it might and it might not translate that well? But is that like the only option technically? Like you could do that if you were Tom Cruise. If you were Tom Cruise that had 50 million or Taylor Swift Taylor Swift has 100 million followers I yeah. think I'm saying that right she'd be like I'm putting this on YouTube right and, and, and that's and where I, she I'm gonna pay for everything to get out there but and that's not really like if I'm you just couldn't put that on YouTube yeah you no. might get you might get a couple thousand views but it's not gonna blow up so you gotta get a distributor in that aspect where you know nowadays like kids can go on like TikTok for a right. song reels make it, and go famous that way by other outlets to produce their movie or right. their uh, music but Right now, for you, it's you got to get a label. You have to get distribution because it, it'll just it'll sit on YouTube and it'll yeah. do nothing. And all that money that you spent, you know, you have a budget to get something done. And then it. How do I explain this to where? <laughs> if if you don't get distribution, you've made a YouTube video. Yeah, right. and it's tough, dude. It's tough to get distribution because you'll send your film out, or you you literally have to know somebody. In order to get that done, could those those festivals, movie festivals, is that that's maybe another outlet, but it's tough. Um, Are people just at those movie festivals literally just playing their movie nonstop in the back while they have like a, a table? Is that no, kind of how it works? We did. I think we did uh, like fifteen film festivals, but we got distribution ten days after we released it, which was just a blessing. Yeah. And to answer that question. There are film festivals that you want to go to, like Cannes. You want to go to Cannes, and you want to set up a booth, and you want to promote the hell out of your film by, you know, hey, posters and whatever. You, you know, if you've got a somebody that's backing you with a lot of money to promote the shit out of that film, that's exactly what you're going to do. Um, we didn't have that. It was just, yeah. I mean, it was just me. And then when we got distribution, I'll never forget the person that kind of, uh, kind of helped me. She said, "Steve, when you get distribution, their job is to to distribute it on iTunes, Apple Plus, Amazon, Hulu, Roku, Xbox, because that's what they do. A distributor comes in, they take your film, and they plaster it all over the world on all these different platforms. And their job is to primarily get somebody like Sports Illustrated Television, Fubu TV." Um, we did amazing on Pluto TV. So every month I would get a, a text from Danny over at 1091, which was the orchard at the time. And he would say, hey, Steve, you just landed a deal. We just landed a deal with 
uh, DirecTV, three months into it, we landed a DirecTV deal, which was $50,000. And I was like, what the fuck just happened? Yeah. So, yeah. So I want to circle back to the beginning of it. Did you have someone finance this or did you go to some people that don't, how did you raise shit? So so you did this. Wait, can I cuss on you? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Did you, uh, did you were just like, all right, I have this amount of save. I'm just going to do this with, with Sarah. I'm going to produce it. I'm going to help. And then we're just going to like, or did you get like a couple friends? Like, Hey, I'm trying to do this movie. I'm going to need a hundred thousand dollars. Like, no, even my little brother was like, dude, how are you going to make this film interesting about this person who's nobody? And I was like, well, that's my job. My job is to make that interesting. I own Echo House Films, which is, uh, I run that business like an agency in the sense that Nikki's been a client for eight years. Um, I have clients that have been with me for 10 plus years that do something with me every month. So I'm an agency that comes up with creative, whether it's, you know, every aspect of, of, uh, Creativity, yep. photography, whatever. And that money was basically funding this film. So I would fly to Maui every month, stay there 10 days, live with the surfers, and then just film as much and as much, gotcha. as, much as we can. So that's, I, that makes sense. Yeah. Let me, let me ask you this. You know, obviously you see a movie that's an hour long or hour and a half long, right. whatever documentary you, know, you see now on Netflix, there's like three series, you know, doc, three episodes of, you know, whatever. Uh, how much film are you I, kind of a little more nerdy? How much film are you recording? Like two, 200 hours, 2000 hours of film just to get, you know, an hour and a half movie. That's a great question. Um, we had at the end of girl on a wave, we had, 13 terabytes of footage. We still have it. We sell it now on platforms where you can buy waves, stuff like that. The, the way this business works is you make a film like that, you're going to take that hard drive and you're going to make every aspect that you've done, filmed, and you're going to try to sell that at some point. Yes. So That's why I never thought about that of... You did the film away, but you're just doing all these shots of waves. Yeah. And like, and then you've seen these movies, some of these movies where you just, it might be taking place at the ocean. They, they probably buying your film or like you see those movies where like a plane's taken off. Yeah. Someone was just filming planes in a different movie. It's probably just selling that to other people. And it's, oh, it's a great shot. It's easier for Warner Brothers to come up to you and just be like, hey, can we just buy that 10 second clip from you for five grand rather than us trying to send people out there to go film, right. sit there for two hours to get one good shot. So White Claw contacted our distributor two months into it being distributed, saw the film and said, we want 30 seconds of this footage. And the budget on that was 35000 And I was like, what? <laughs> you know, I'm like, God damn, I can make my money back. This is great. Yeah. And, um, it didn't happen, but that's a prime example yeah. of, you know, this is how you do that. I Scott, you said waves. I have so many wave footage in 5K on Pond 5 that people will buy, get, it's called mailbox money. Yes. So every month I get money from distribution from Girl on Wave, now Pistoleros. And then whether somebody's buying something on Pond 5 from the sky or, you know, underwater footage in Maui or big waves or whatever that would be. That's awesome. No, I was like, 
I, when I was 23, I was helping out this guy with his basketball right. um, drills. And he just wanted me to talk about a couple of drills. And, I mean, we, I explained this drill on film for 30 seconds. Probably sat there for 25 minutes. Uh, lighting, no, say this exact words, do right. this. And I can imagine, you know, she's surfing. Hey, can you go ride another wave? Can you get another? So she's probably gassed. I was tired. Some of these drills I was doing, and I'm like, I'm guys, I need a 10 minute break. I'm I'm gassed right now, you know. So I, I just think of like her. You probably she probably wrote there's a video of a wave for 15 seconds of her riding one. She might have done that if it wasn't competition, like practice on. She might have done 20, 30 of those for just sure, to, just to give for her sure. right the yeah. right you know clip. So we would actually look at those clips and go. Listen, do you do we need this? Do we because I would just you know start trashing, and that takes a long. That's a long time to, in order to do that. So we would get rid of that footage because I mean you're going to land up with twenty terabytes of footage that you're just never going to use or hopefully sell somewhere. Yeah, let's. Uh, so now you have a, you do this. Now you have another movie, another documentary. Right. Well, first off, where can we watch Girl on Wave right now? Well, Girl on Wave is on Apple Plus TV. It's on iTunes. Amazon, Hulu, Roku, Xbox Live. It's on uh, Pluto TV. It's on, uh, what did we just sign with? Um, I can send you a list. Okay. But it's out there, which is great. You know, it's in Brazil. Like, I'll look at the map. I get that distribution deal to see where it's being sold. Yeah. And I'll never forget, I was in Maui. And um, I think his name was Brasilio. He's one of the surfers. He goes, hey, man, I saw your film when I was in... uh, Brazil and I was like, "What? That's right. We were on a Brazilian network." So a network picked it up, and that's how I make money. That's so. funny. We get the there's a website we use to distribute this, and um, it'll tell you where where everyone's listening from. And one time it was like, like two from Germany. That's like, awesome. I was like, well, "If you listen from Germany, I want to know who you are, all right? right? Or if it's just like one of my, if it's just a person traveling from body that just happened to be in Germany, listen to it, you right. know, it picks up the." the uh satellite there but yeah i was just like who's listening from there um but anyways your second movie second documentary movie. what's it called go into a little bit okay so pistoleros death drugs and rock and roll so when girl on wave came out i've learned so much scott so when we first did girl on wave i really it was a master class on how to make a film um we start we these friends of mine from fervor records contacted me and um, Dave, who I've known Dave forever, Dave's a musician, he contacts me and he says, hey, I want to have lunch with you. I want to talk to you about making a film. And I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, because like, you know, somebody will call me up and go, hey, I saw Girl on Wave. I want to make a movie about picking my nose. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. great, thanks. Anyways, Dave calls me. We go to lunch. And I'm like, yeah, man, I had a free lunch. And, I'm, you know, he's like, hey, man, we've got this, we've got this great idea about the music scene here in the 90s. And, you know, Lawrence is this guy that was a druggie and he's come out of the woodworks and he's just, he's doing great and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, okay. And they said, what do you think that movie would cost to make? And I go, well, we don't have to travel anywhere, right? No. So we shoot everything here. Yep. So there's no travel. We can shoot everything here. I can use my production company. I said, it will cost this much money. And I put down and I go, this is what it's going to cost. And they went, okay. And I was like, okay, great. Thanks for the burrito. And went on my merry way. And two weeks later, they go, hey, we got the money. And I went, oh, shit. (laughs) So I'm like, oh, fuck. Okay. 
So now the wheels start spinning. And then you start, did I undervalue? You start thinking like, did no, I undervalue? Some, no, I, I, I knew that, well, here's, and I'll just say it. So I said, look, because it's, I just wanted to make a second film. And I was like, man, this is a great opportunity. So I said, I can do it for this much money, but I want X amount of points on the film. So I want a percentage. Yes. So I want a percentage of the net. So I own a pretty good percentage of that film on paper. So now the attorneys get involved. Once the attorneys sign off on everything, that's you gotta write a check for that. Once the attorneys write a check and everything's good with everybody that's involved, talent, everybody. Yep. Now you've got to get insurance for the film. So you gotta get I have to get insurance for the film in case somebody falls down. Um, and that costs a little bit of money. Yeah. A lot of money. And then, you know, so before I can hit record on that camera. I've got two bills that I've got to somehow make up at some point. And then they start giving the budget and I've got basically a list of how I think that this is going to pan out. This film started off being what was called the Phoenician project because it was about this guy that was coming out of the ashes. Two months into filming this movie, I was like, dude, we're filming the real Housewives of Pistoleros. This guy's not talking to this guy. His brother, these two brothers, it was really about these two brothers in this band in the 90s that got a million dollar record deal with Hollywood Records. They were one of those bands that was with the Jim Blossoms, the Meat Puppets. These were bands that were big in the 90s. And um, it's really about, it's a love story between the two brothers. One's an addict, one's not. Um, kind of messed with me a little bit because I went from shooting, going to Maui and filming in beautiful scenery with surfers and all kinds of goodness to, you know, death, drugs, and rock and roll. And it was that, that film took almost three and a half years to make. COVID hit. That was a problem. And, um, it, it, it was it was it was tough, man. But I I don't know if you've seen the film, but when you watch this film at the end of the film, you go, "Fuck." Yeah. So, so was they were filming? You you mentioned at the beginning you were going this way. Did you guys kind of shift the direction of the documentary to more of the brother the brother situation, or was that always the goal? So, <laughs> yes. So we called it the minute. Like every if you go to a website and you look at all the slates, the slate is where you clap the to mark audio. Yep. And it says right on the slate, um, it says the Phoenician project. Well, that changed, man. It, it changed very, very quickly. And I remember going to Fervor Records and going, guys, this is not the movie you think it's going to be. And they're like, no, 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 we want you to do what we're doing. And I delivered to them what they wanted. I was like, well, here you go. And I knew that there's always going to be, first draft is first draft, and then you have to cut things up. But I made the suggestion, you guys know so many guys in Hollywood, why don't you have another editor look at this? Because I knew if I did that, they would have to look at all the dailies. And if they looked at the dailies, they would realize that this is not the movie that they thought it was going to be. And some other record would be right. like, hey, you guys should go toward, you guys should turn this to more this way, which you had the idea. Right. Um, so the editor, yeah. So the editor that they picked, we went through two editors. And the, that last editor was really trying to build that story between the brothers. And he had like an hour and 45 minutes. And then he had to go off and do another film. And then I took the hard drive over and I sat down with um, Jeff from Fervor Records 
And I shortened that 145 to a minute and four because I was, we don't need that. I know where this is. This B-roll is here. And we just started create. I started creating what was what you see on film now. And um, I mean, it's got a crazy ending and it's literally, I mean, if you've got somebody who's addicted to opioids or alcohol, this movie will resonate with you. Yeah. That's, um, and I don't want to ruin kind of the ending of it. I know I put in the notes, but we won't, <laughs> right. we won't do that. Uh, but I wanted to ask a question. What, what is the hardest, most challenging part of the job? Is it taking all this great film? Because when we do the podcast, we were like, hey, try to keep the sh- episodes 30 to 45 minutes. Right. If you go like an hour and a half, you know, unless you're like going Joe Rogan. Right. He talks for three hours. Unless you're that. You know, people want to just have it for their walk or something, but sometimes you get going, you're talking and you're having a good time and like, man, 105, an hour, an hour and five minutes for pockets. How do we, how how do we take out? Like to me, that was always a challenging part. What do we take out of this episode to keep it in that? Well, the only thing I can say to that is like, we would look at pistol arrows and we would go, he's already talked about that. We don't need to, to have this person talking about that. So we would take that out. You know, why are we talking about this? That's ridiculous. Nobody gives a shit who that is. So we would take that out. And, you know, the guys, even Jeff from Fervor, he would look at me and go, dude, what are you doing? And I'm like, watch, watch how it flows now. And we would take just things that didn't really make sense because you want your audience to be engaged. Yeah. And, you know, an hour and five minute film for a documentary, in my opinion, is, you know. It's it's good. You keep them engaged. I'm so impressed with like even like, you know, watch the was it the Murdoch mystery like yes. they, keep, they keep you engaged for for yes. three episodes like that's a lot yes. to describe and but they did it such like they told one story and then that story kind of went into another but yeah. three that's if they put, but if they put a film up there and just wrote th- they done three one hour ones yeah. if they put three hours up there people would say I'm not watching this for three hours but the fact you know you break down so like yours is making that 105 I think people are like ooh I can get intrigued and you're just showing the most important right. parts and stuff which is really smart there was one part where they were really trying to embrace um, Doug Hopkins from the from the Jim Blossoms because he was intertwined with the Pistol Arrows and um, this isn't really a spoiler alert but Doug Hopkins put a gun in his mouth and killed himself and our guy Lawrence you know who's basically the principal in our film he was he found him he found him dead and he talks about that and we just you know there was one point where one of our uh, producers associate producers was looking into the crime photos and I said I, I, I don't want to show that I really don't some people want to see that yes I'm not interested in making the real housewives of anything but people want to see that gruesome I was like I don't want to see. we kind of reenacted you know we, you can tell a story without Telling a story. What's yeah. that phrase that everybody uses? Oh, I'm dumb as bricks. So if you're a phrase, <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm very smart when it comes to numbers and like analytics. I, I don't know, you know, words aren't my, my right. words. I can talk a lot. Everyone knows. But I, if it's a phrase, I have no idea. <laughs> That's funny. That's uh, awesome. But I, you mentioned something earlier about. You know, you said a guy called and wanted to do a movie about picking my nose. So it made me, I wrote this a question on the slides. Like, what are some, after you have that movie and even after this movie, what are some, a uh, couple of the weird requests you've gotten to do a movie about? And you're just like, come on. But what are some ones you're like, actually, that might be a good idea. So right after, so at the screening of Pistoleros, I had um, somebody from the arena call me. 
I talked to you about this. The arena? Yeah, the, the downtown arena. That, like where the Suns play. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Footprint Center. Yeah, okay, so Footprint Center. Um, my buddy is that he doesn't get any higher than him. It's Ralph Marchetta. He said, hey, Steve, I want my wife to come to your film. And I was like, okay, we just watched Girl on Wave and she loved it. And I was like, okay, yeah. So we got her seats and she brought some really big, tall dude. And I was like, hey, who's that really big, tall dude? Anyways, after the film, we all sat down, you know, we were all partying. And um, she said, hey, I want to talk to you about making a film for the arena. And it's about the um, Navajo Nation basketball team. They did, I, they did a, um, there was a Netflix documentary about yes. them. Isn't that, um, who is it? It's, uh, isn't it LeBron? I don't know who did it, um, but th- this came it. out, I think it was their 2019 season. Right. So it, 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 there's one out four years ago. Right. Well, the arena, the person that wanted to do that, which was Ralph's wife, you know, I don't want to give, I don't want to give too much of that yeah. away because she said, Hey, what? I really want to tell this and I really like the way that you tell stories and this is exactly how we want to do it. So we went to lunch and we sat down and talked about how that would pan out, what that would look like. And um, you you just never know. They might, you know, never say never. If you need help with some basketball content. <laughs> Dude, you're yeah, I'll let, you, I'll let you know. Like I can definitely help you with, uh, <laughs> you know, at least just... You know, I've watched so many basketball documentaries in my life that like what people like and right. stuff like that too. And obviously, documentary is a documentary, but I definitely um, I think it'd be fascinating because I know the Netflix one I watched. Um, you know, the whole episode is, is quite fascinating. Just right. you know, how these kids live to you know how not, how basketball is like sport with them is in basketball is like king and. Um, you know, they have they have their type of style that they play, which is we all play them in basketball here. They play a completely different style of basketball. Um, and it's just they're up and down run. It's, it's quite it, it's quite fascinating when, when you play someone from, you know. Um, I'm excited about that because yeah. I didn't know anything about windsurfing when I was filming windsurfing. Now I know everything. Yeah. So going into a basketball film, especially with the Navajo Nation, that I think that would be super yeah. exciting. To, you know, get that on, on camera. Dude, everybody has a story. You have a story. Yeah, you know, no, I, I do. It, yeah. it just depends on how you tell that story. So at some point, you're going to be on this side, and somebody's going to be asking you questions. Yeah, no, I, I, that's definitely in the works where, where Nikki's going to be peppering me with some questions about, like you know, just like my, my story and just, you know, where I'm from. Because I, I, I feel like, a, like Nikki said, and you, like, every time someone, we have someone come on here, we always say, like, I'm not that interesting. I, I don't think... Everybody's like, interesting. Because I lived in my own my own world my whole life. Right. I don't know if I'm that interesting to other people, you know, but the reason why I like doing this and I, I, I bothered Nikki for so long to do this podcast is I think it's so interesting. Like there's so many body members oh that are Lord. so interesting. And I find you making two two documentaries is crazy. Some people just know you as the guy behind the camera. Right. And and oh he works and he does like helps the body, you know, do their videos and stuff. And it's like Oh wait, he has two documentaries. Then they can go watch it. Oh, he did that. That's quite interesting. Or there's a person that's studying film at ASU that wants exactly. to get in. It's like, hey, Steve, you know, I, I heard your podcast. Um, really, I'm trying to get into film. Do you need any extra help? You know, with just anything to learn. And that's like the goal. That know? happened three days ago. Did it? So this kid gets in touch. With, well, he's not a kid. He gets in touch with me on Instagram because he goes, "Hey, man, I follow you." And I told him the story. We we're in the car. I told him, "I go, listen." You friended me, and then you started messaging me, and I was like, oh, shit. 
you know, because sometimes I get some really weird, kooky things. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I'm not shooting porn. That's a first class ticket to hell. I'm, I don't want anything yeah. to do with it. So, anyways, this guy, he works for Apple and he shoots for Apple. And he goes, The reason I contacted you is because you have two films that are on Apple Plus TV and we want to be, I need help from you. And I said, Well, we have to shoot this music video on Saturday that's, you know, this band. Or this rap artist. I don't know if you know who this guy is. I don't even know if I can say his name because I had to sign an ND and all this other shit. Yeah, we don't. Yeah, we don't. yeah but anyways, um, I said, if you want to come and watch this, um, you're going to get a master class on how to shoot on red, how, to, how we light, how we do, how, how a 13-hour day is in four different areas of this studio where we're going from set to set with actors, makeup, set design, grips, everything. And he was, he, I thought, I thought he was going to show up, be there for two hours, get bored and leave. That guy stayed till the very, very end. So that I knew that that guy was committed. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. But it's just, you know, for anyone, and I've always said this to, to, when I, when I coached college basketball and I was, you know, young guy trying to make it, had some coaches, but like, hey, if you're going to be the volunteer, if you want to try to volunteer because you, because your goal is to make it. And try to be a college coach, you you, you got to treat it like it's a full time job. Dude. Yeah, you got to treat it like it's a full time job because there's I'm a lot of interview you. All right, <laughs> <laughs> but but you know I've had a lot of great people. But if you're trying to chase a dream, or that yeah. that kid wants it, and he reached out to you, and there's so many kids now, and I just think even you know, that that they want to do it, but they like you said will be there for two hours, and be like ah. Oh, I don't know if I really want this and then leave this kid clearly yeah. and, and you might be doing another music video and be like, Hey, you want to come help? Like, and now he's in with you. He might end up right. making it big and producing a movie. And now you have another exactly. connection because of it, you know, and, and, and all because of that one day too. And Scott, you, if there's one thing I'll do this in body too. I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm a little chatty, but I'm like, what do you do for a living? And they're like, Oh, I'm in insurance. And I'm like, well, what would you want to do if you were doing it? I want to be a trainer. I'm like, well, then fucking go get your training. Yeah. Go. You've got to fuck. Dude, if I can do it in an old age. Yeah. I, I And again, basketball is always a passion. I did it for five years. I tried it. It, it just, it comes, it eventually comes down to money in sports. Right. There's a lot of money people see in the top. There's not a lot of money. Like, those, like there's so many kids that are just, and I say kids, like, even 27, 28 grinding. Like, I was a final candidate to be a D3 head coach. I was a... Final three on campus one. I fit, I got like a second round and a phone screen. So it was like a 10 when I was like 25 and 26. Right. But I got to a point where it's like, it's like 40 grand, 50 grand, some of these jobs. And it's like, do I really want to do that for 12 months travel? You know what I mean? And I'm in Boston. See, 50 grand is not that much money. So I was like, I kind of balanced it out and I just took the jump and I do it like a, it's a completely different job. Uh, but you know, I'm making a lot more money. So I'm a lot like I, I weigh the pros and cons now because I'm a lot happier. My work-life balance is great. I do what I want, but I do, I miss like, like I went to the final four, kind of miss being on the sideline. I miss watching film of other teams and coming right. up with a game plan and watching a team that averages like 80 points a game and they score 62 against you. And you're like, yeah, we shut them down. <laughs> like I miss, I miss that competitive right. part of it, you know? So I always like contemplate like, ah, oh, if I do, if like another COVID hit, you lost your job. It's like, well, I'll just go back to basketball. I think, but I don't know. It was it it, it it's good, but there's you're still just, in it. You're still in it, right? 
I haven't coached in about a year now. I I, uh, I still have some parents that hit me up to train their kids, um, but they're in Chandler. I, I, it's too far for me to go now. You'll find a way, dude. Yeah, I guess you'll, we just gotta. I just gotta build a gym out here. You'll find a way. Yeah. But uh, what, are, what are some weird requests you've gotten? <laughs> well, I was at Apple, and this is funny. I was at Apple doing a seminar uh, at the brand new Apple store in, in um, uh, North Scottsdale. And this was years ago. What I just got a call fucking a month ago. And uh, after the presentation, I'm like, this is the editing platforms that I use and blah, 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 blah. And after the session, just, again, this was like eight years ago, these two guys approached me and they're like, hey, man. Could you sh- could you shoot and edit uh, some adult content? And I'm like, no, I'm not that guy. Yeah, I'm, that's it for me. That's a first class. It pays a lot of money, but it's a first for me. I'm just I'm not that guy. It's like once you go down that road, you're. It's a lot of money, but it it once you're down that road, you can't come back I don't from wanna, it. I mean, I is, think is it, it career? Is it almost like career suicide? It's like you're selling. I think yourself. it could be it could very well could be career suicide, dude. Yeah. I I have two of the biggest private schools in Phoenix that come to me for content to yeah. produce and direct content for them. I have, you know, the Mayo Clinic. I have yeah. clients that I'm not messing for, for what? Some st- stupid amount of money for yeah. those stupid yeah. people? No, I get it. That's, no. Not, that's not who I am. So, so if you need some money in a great film, porn is a way to go. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, you know what I know what I appreciate about you, Steve, is when I, COVID happened, you know, obviously and I started that that Bachelor podcast. Yeah, and I was like, um, "No, actually, my Apple Watch just listened to us." Uh, but <laughs> no, it was actually. I think we we're doing the. Um, Wasn't it the Bachelor? It was the Bachelor, and you yeah. were like, "Hey, if you want to film, like you you showed me, yeah, um, basically a couple tools." Uh, a couple like apps yeah. to uh, break down some. I say I say break down like I'm so coach. Like break down film, but like to like cut up film and make a little quick thirty second reel. And uh, I think it was a like cap cut. I think it was. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, yeah you told me that like, cap For cut. Sure. Or no, um, what was the other one? I have it actually on my iPad over there. But there's another one. You just showed me how like easy it was and stuff. And it was like easy. You were like going on it like you were just like writing a book. And I, and I get back. I was like, I think I remember everything. I get home. I'm like. <laughs> Ah shit! What did he do? I had to go to YouTube and like what, ter- doing all these terminologies. I think and you stuff. texted me a couple of times. Yeah, I texted you. Was like, hey, what what is this? You know, like, I had like Google these terms and I had no idea. But it's like you said, if you were doing a basketball film, I'd be like, oh, they're sitting in this two three zone. You'd be like, wait, you're watching? How do you know that? I'm like, oh, because right. you're like, oh, but this is a two. You're like, oh no, that's man. You'd be like, kind of right the for terminology. sure. But yeah, so it's uh, I appreciate that a lot. That yeah, day. Like, it made for me sure. uh, at least be able to edit some film a little bit Listen, and, and, and use. I've had a lot of success and I've had a lot of, you know, and, um, you got to get back in order to receive. And I, you know, I truly believe that, you know, yeah. to where you got to help people because people help me and dude, getting distribution two months after this film came out was just a blessing. Yeah. And we got distribution for this current film and to be able to see that on Apple plus TV, which led on to red digital cinema for me, which was another, you know, as a filmmaker, you just go, what, what just yeah. happened? So and I'd say this based on like just you know knowing you and talking to you, you you did those films because you were really passionate about it. Money was never an issue, and I've always said, or n- money was never about to be filthy rich. Yeah, money's obviously great to have, but 
people can see that when they're when they're probably watching the films that you make and they meet you and they're going to help you distribute because you're not just doing it to make a boatload of money you're really passionate about it and you and, and you cared which i think you can see that from the films well i do want a boatload of money no i'm kidding but we, listen, no. we all want money <laughs> listen i'm not saying but no. like when i coach it was never like about to make money and i think you can tell the authenticity of For everything sure. and they, they actually care and they're not just doing this to like you know, make a quick buck. It's yeah. like they actually care because they want this to be good. You gotta do what you love, man. Yeah. That's, I'm, again, I'm just super stoked to be able to, you know, make films, do content. Um, this morning I got up, had some copy, coffee, and my client was like, hey, man, I need for you to go take some headshots of this really quick. Can you do that? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> so I run out and, you know, I've got a podcast, worked out a body at noon, and, you know, if I'm not traveling, um, I'm at body, you know, just busting it out. Yeah. So where can people follow you on Instagram? Well, I'm on Instagram. It's Echo House Films uh, on Instagram. And um, you can go to the website, which is echohousefilms.com, E-C-H-O-H-O-U-S-E films.com. And that's, that's, you know, that's, it's basically what I do. Yeah. Well, it kind of wraps up. We're right on the 45 minutes. So uh, thanks for coming. I appreciate it. Yeah. And uh, anyone that's watching or listening, um, you know, please follow. Us. <coughs> Sorry, excuse me. Please leave a review. Um, go to Apple. Uh, write a review. That it goes a long way. Write a review. Uh, go to go. Yeah, go to Pistoleros on Apple iTunes and Apple Plus yeah. and Amazon Prime. Yeah, leave. Anytime you watch something, leave a review. It does really help with the engagement and sure. distribution. Out. So, uh, thanks again. And Scott, thank you. Absolutely.